to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm Carlos at Equity Bruin on Twitter. Joining me today, Avery at Brave Grapes. The Pac-12 is back. Greg at Bananamorphs. Fuck Lando Norris. Uh, Matt Huberton <laughs> at No Pit Stops. I love Formula One. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, and for the final time on No Truck Stops, Reed at MF underscore Reed. What an embarrassing loss for UCLA. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about embarrassing losses. <laughs> but How dare you speak about my Wildcats like that? Finally, we had an eventful Pac-12 slate. We kept saying, we kept saying every single week, there's no way this goes chalk. There's no way the favorites keep winning. There's no way that this is just all going to go exactly as planned. And holy fuck, did we get what we asked for. Jesus Christ. Uh, we will talk about all of that. We'll clarify some Pac-12 title game scenarios. We'll try to rank the tier one Pac-12 teams. We'll talk about units. We'll talk about the best game of the year. We'll preview our games for next week. We'll make some game predictions. All of that. But first, some programming notes. We got our basketball episode dropping. It's going to drop Wednesday at 5 a.m. We're moving it to Wednesdays at 5 a.m. Uh, because Greg... Uh, doesn't prioritize his podcast and and doesn't really care for anyone else's schedules. So we're moving that around. That's right. That's true. <laughs> uh, to Wednesday at 5 a.m. until football ends. When football ends, we'll uh, go back to Monday at uh, Tuesday at 5 a.m. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Wednesday's at 5 a.m. though for now. Uh, we had some wacky Pac-12 results in basketball too. Uh, spoiler, hoops in the Pac-12 not looking so good. Uh, so we'll talk Disagree. about that. <laughs> uh, look in our feed for some shooty hoops talk. Also dropping later this week, I had a very special guest come on to talk with me. My wife. Uh, we've been going to a bunch of Pac-12 stadiums this season, and I recorded an episode reviewing the stadiums with her, talking about the food, the facilities, the crowd, the bathrooms, all that stuff. It was a lot of fun, so look out for that. That'll come out, I don't know, Thursday or Friday. I'm so excited. It will be fun. Uh, also, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We are still stuck at 3.4 stars. We are begging. We are begging you all to help us get to 3.5 stars. We're praying, even. Uh, we got two that I really liked. Our buddy at Who's the Vaz on Twitter says, Despite the pod now being two-fifths landlords, they make up for it collectively by letting Reed and Oregon live rent-free in their minds. I'm not a landlord! <laughs> still waiting on a non-Walton name change, though. <laughs> Uh, so yes, you are. Uh, your your mom. No, I'm not. I'm housing a, a an old and children. I'm <laughs> I'm helping all of the generations. Did Bill Walton <laughs> trademark no truck stops here? Uh, no, he did not. He should. But then it's uh, not his. We should. I hope not. We should. <laughs> yeah, we should. Let's cut this. Bill. Let's cut this out before people. Someone else trademarks it as a joke. <laughs> uh, and then also another five star review, Chris Caballes. Also left five stars saying three stars for Carlos hopping on Speak of the Devil's podcast to learn how to pronounce Borgay correctly. One star for Avery <laughs> thinking his name was Tanner. And one star for Matt calling him Tanner Baguette. That uh, adds up to five stars for y'all. Okay, the reason I call- kept calling him Tanner is because Carlos kept calling him Tanner and I kept getting confused. <laughs> it's not my fault. Uh, Trent and Tanner. I was calling him Baguette because that's a better name. I think it's funny. It's a funny name. but uh, I, I, w- I think we're doing reparations here because how many <laughs> black and brown quarterbacks have had their name said wrong <laughs> since <laughs> the inception of college football? We are, this is vindication. We, are, we are giving back. I see. This is vindication for every Polynesian ever. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Finally, some racial justice going on. Yes. Uh, all right. And so thank you. Please leave us your five-star reviews. Uh we're encouraging you to keep doing that and send us in your reviews. Uh, lastly, go check out our Patreon at NoTrucks.com. We have uh, bonus episodes dropping constantly. Avery and I do a lot of narratives and agendas every single week. Greg and Matt get on to preview the Pac-12 from a gambling perspective and read previews the game every week. 
the game of the week every week. Reed, uh, do you know where you're going for game of the week? We, obviously, there's two candidates. There might be a third. No, to be there's honest. three. There's only one. There's only no, one answer. Arizona, here. Wazoo, Arizona, Arizona against Wazoo. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun one. Stanford Cal. Are you kidding me? Hey, shut the. You're fuck not gonna up. write about big game. All right, Reed. Who's what's your game of the week? I was leaning towards USC UCLA before UCLA's big collapse. I don't know. I'm intrigued by Washington State Arizona, but I think I'll go USC UCLA. I'll write my own. Terrible. Can I write my own? Okay, I'll write. I'll write a sickos game of the year preview. <laughs> can I? We'll, can I make my own stuff? Sack. <laughs> all right, uh, we're getting. All right, let's start. Let's get into it. Y'all are getting a little rowdy, so we might as well go. We're we're like really energetic today. Uh, so let's let's start with the recap of all that went down in this very fucking chaotic and unhinged Pac-12 week this past weekend. Matt, take us away, please. Friday night in the Pac-12, greatest night of all time. Colorado traveled to USC and led the game three to two <laughs> after the first quarter. Don't really know or care what happened after that. Uh, we were hanging out in our No Truck Stops Discord watching this one and had an incredible time. So as Twitter dies, join us in Discord. Uh, Saturday started with Wazoo getting out to a big lead and then holding off ASU 28 to 18 for the final score. Um, ASU did not score in the first half. Wazoo only scored – or Wazoo – Scored in the first half, did not score in the second half. I don't know why I said that. Uh, then UW won in Autzen, 37-34 over the Ducks. Streets are asking if Dan Lanning looked a little distracted. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's for you to decide, not me. Uh, we'll talk more about that, I am sure. Beavlet in Utah beat the very bad, no good Bay Area teams. Uh, Beavs over Cal, 38-10. And Utah over the fun-hating trees, 42-7. Then to cap it all off, my drug of choice, the still alive for bowl eligibility, Arizona Wildcats beat UCLA in Pasadena, 34 to 28. Never in doubt. The vibes foretold all. Imagine not listening to the Oracle. Could not be me. <laughs> did you pick this as your bad vibes game, Avery? Yeah, of course I did. Crazy. She got pissed at me for like, for yeah, following because, it. Because everyone had picked exactly the same and we were at the last game and Matt had already typed in the little document that he was going to pick UCLA and then I picked Arizona bad vibes and each deleted it and typed Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Very funny. Well, uh, we, we're going to talk about these games. A lot of uh, nonsense and chaos happened. Let's start with, I think, the maybe the biggest, most consequential result. I mean, they were both, many were consequential uh, this week, but I think the biggest result of the day, UW beating Oregon, Matthew Bridget, how about you walk us through this one in lovely detail for Reed specifically? Yeah, so like super fun game here in Autzen. Um, once you got past the aesthetically jarring uniforms on the field, uh, Avery, real quick, like awful uniform combo, right? The worst. These are the worst uniforms I've ever seen. And Utah did like a military boat uniform last season. So <laughs> this was so bad. I saw people comparing it to the Teletubbies, and I think it's the most accurate thing I've ever seen. Uh, Oregon. <laughs> Oregon was in their high-vis yellow, and Washington went full purple with the the typical gold helmet. I think the biggest I, issue with what Oregon was wearing is they were wearing yellow and black. They weren't wearing with, any green. If they had the like high green gloss high black, yeah. If they like wore mm -hmm. green instead of black with it, I think it would have been better. But oh, it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. It was it was very bad. Uh, first half started a bit slow with not one, not two. But four field goal attempts, as I'm told, or as I'm told, elite defensive stops. Uh, score was 13 it's to true. 10. Score was 13 to 10 at the half before the team started trading explosive drives and ramping up the score in the third quarter. Uh, ultimately, the game, though, came down to what happened in, the, in like a wild close to the game in the fourth quarter uh, at the 14 to 20, uh, 14 27 mark. 
Michael Penix Jr. threw an interception on the goal line that felt like it was possibly the game. This interception could have been caught by like five different Oregon players, um, got tipped around off of no Sewell. Um, and Oregon le- was leading 31 to 27 at the time. Oregon went on a 20 play, 91 yard drive that ate up 10 minutes and 33 seconds of clock. But it ended in a 26-yard field goal on a fourth and three from the eight-yard line to move the game from a one-possession game uh, to a one-possession game. Uh, Bonix got hurt on the third down play prior, so I get the decision. Uh, But UW immediately answered with a Michael Penix 62-yard touchdown pass to Taj Davis to tie shades of Miracle in uh, Minnesota, shades of Oregon State-Stanford. Um, just some awful angles by the Oregon defense on that one. Ty Thompson came in at QB then, and Oregon ran the ball oh, four God. straight times and did not want him doing shit. Um, that's right. Uh, they went for it on fourth and one from the minus 34 with a minute and a half left. Failed to convert, setting UW up in field goal position to win the game. The weird part here is that it all it appeared that Knicks was available for the fourth down play, but like didn't go into the game. Oregon had a timeout, easily could have gotten him in. Just didn't happen. Um, He ended up taking over after the field goal with 51 seconds left. Led the team down the field, um, but a questionable illegal touching penalty negated the play that would have set up a field goal to tie with one second left. Um, Knicks was short on a no, on a Hail Mary attempt that ended the game. And like, Knicks looks legitimately hurt. He was very hobbled, had very little drive on his ball. Lanning kind of turned into a pumpkin after uh, being an elite game manager all season. Carlos, did UW just end Oregon season? Is is it over? Uh, depends on who you ask. Uh, if you ask Oregon fans who only view national championships as uh, as meaningful and <laughs> oh. worthwhile, yes, uh, yeah. But if you're asking like anyone who cares about the Pac-12 title game and the Rose Bowl. No, absolutely not. Oregon is still in the driver's seat uh, despite this performance. I think this one's going to hurt. I'm sure Oregon fans are going to be asking themselves, what if? Uh, but, I, I mean, I at the end of this game, I want to c- go talk about how this game ended. First of all, that fourth down um, decision, everyone is railing on it, like completely destroying Dan Lanning for this decision. I think they're all wrong. Uh, I thought that was that decision was fine considering the context of the game. I think the big issue was that Bo Nix was ready to go, and they left Ty Thompson in. Now, Bo Nix clearly, Matt, to your point, like does not look 100%. He did not look 100% towards the end of that game. He was pretty much gimpy uh, the entire time that he was out there after he left and, and Ty Thompson came in. But... I don't know. Like, I, I think you probably try to get something else. You try to get Bo Nix in there, at least for sort of the threat of him running, right? Like, UW didn't know that he wasn't 100% at yeah, that point. Yeah, it would have been his first playback. Yeah, they would not have known that. Um, so I think, and, and Bo Nix was like jumping on the sidelines, like raring to go, uh, and Dan Lanning kind of didn't put them in. What are the odds that Dan Lanning just didn't, wasn't aware that he was ready to go, and he just panicked and, and, and let the play go? If that's the case, that's still... Yeah, bad man, bad management. I think from from Dan Lanning. So let's talk about the slip. Let's the slip not hurt around the world. <laughs> let's not. Um, How about let's not. Like Matt said, they ran it four straight times with Ty Thompson in at quarterback because he was not he was not going to throw the ball. And, and these the, were not option reads either. He wasn't pulling it either. He, yeah, this these were we knew these were going to be runs. And no, Whittington had the ball. What were they? Fourth and three. Fourth, fourth and, and one, I think. Fourth like fourth and one, it was fourth yeah. and one in that one, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. And he he slipped. He slipped in the backfield. It was bad. 
Uh, Bucky Irving, I think that was Bucky Irving, right? Who slipped? No, no it was, was Whittington. No, 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 it was, it was Whittington. Um, it was Whittington's, but but. but even though it was Whittington who slipped, it was still blamed on Ty Thompson by many Oregon fans. There was a post on Oregon's message board where an Oregon fan said, uh, Ty Thompson's never gotten first down in college. Only bad things happen when he is in. Don't tell me Whittington <laughs> slips if Bo is in. He would not have. It's Ty. Never want to see him on the field for the Ducks ever again. I, I, I think so. one player who's kind of, and I don't really like blaming the players. This, this fell on Dan Lanning. I think he had some bizarre game management decisions towards the end. Um, I th- I do think though Bucky Irving is kind of getting a bit of a pass because of the final. He wasn't really involved in some of the final game breaking plays. He had two. Bright. He had two re- like passes that just slipped through his hands. Uh, that I think could have ended the game in Oregon's favor. Uh, he had a couple of really crucial games that uh, catches down the stretch on, that, on the final. It was on the very final drive yeah. where he had two yeah. straight drops as they were driving to get into field goal territory. Right. It was not a, a great look from him. I don't know. I mean, it just felt like, and, but, and Bo Nix sort of, even before he got hurt was doing some Bo Nixy stuff, like some old school Bo Nix, like weird decisions. Now he didn't end up having to pay for them. And there, and there was one point, right? Like, where it looked like Bo Nix was um, actually coming out on top because Michael Penix threw that pick. He was under duress uh, and and forced to throw into like, I don't know, triple coverage or whatever. Just absolutely did not need to do that. On the other end, Bo Nix had like a snap thrown over his head. He bobbled it, picked it up, and just threw it right at his running back's feet to end the play and to live another down. Uh, it was a, a really good decision, a really smart one. I think it like contrasted like, the decision making between the two quarterbacks it ended up not mattering though uh certainly that saved some of bone uh, uh oregon's game but i don't know um reed i know you're raring to go about this game you're an oregon fan i think i mean the biggest like thirty thousand foot perspective is i think oregon played like their c plus game and washington played maybe an a minus game close to an a outside of that one decision from Penix. Uh, overall, I think we learn about this Oregon team that they're not a uniquely great team in the context of Pac-12 history. They aren't good enough to go undefeated in conference or avoid these type of mistakes against solid opponents. Um, but yeah, so it's a tough, tough loss in that respect. I mean, still, I think there's a path for Oregon to win the conference. There's debates you can have about them where they sit in the conference, but there's no longer a case that they're in their own tier at the top, certainly. Avery, what about you? What do you think about, I don't know, this game, Oregon? Do you have more thoughts about Washington? I have thoughts about how the, interpreting this game, but I don't know. I'm curious what you think about this game overall, these two team seasons at this point. I don't think this ends the season at all for Oregon. I think anyone who is expecting a playoff berth out of a first-year head coach is super fucking dumb. Like, you, this is a team that... The Pac-12 hasn't had a playoff team since 2016, and it wasn't Oregon. Like, why are you expecting to be playoff contenders in your coach's first year? I think that's really stupid. Um, so I don't think their season's over at all. I think Bo Nix being injured, it could be a huge, huge, huge issue. Um, they play Utah next week. Utah has not looked invaluable at all, but Utah could totally take advantage of a of a team without Bo Nix, so... I think without Bonix, your season looks pretty bad. So that'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah. Greg, what about you? You want to jump in on this game. What did you think of this game? Uh, you know, does it, to, to Matt's point, did it end Oregon season? Well, so first, I just want to go back to uh, that play with the slip. Not only 
did Dan Lanning fail with not getting Nixon, not calling the timeout? Uh, going for it was certainly a bold decision, but like the fact that he went for it, didn't get Nix back in, and on fourth and one in such an important moment when you absolutely need that yard, why are you running out of the shotgun? I just, that's Bizarre. a great point. Yeah. I just didn't get it at all. Especially when UW's run defense has been like the best part of their defense all season long. And Ty, I, Ty Thompson is not practicing taking snaps under center fair. and the that's center fair. and that's Oregon's Oregon was on their second string center. That's true. At that right. point. So like that, that exchange, I'm, I'm definitely not look like I, that's fair. I think that a lot of people are going to debate whether or not to go on that fourth down. I'm, entirely like where I'm critical of landing in this one is the fourth and three that he kicks the field goal on yeah. to go from three points up six. Like you're getting beat by a touchdown either way. I appreciate this mm-hmm. idea of like trying not to lose by a field goal, but this to, to go from a one possession game to a one possession game in a situation where if you don't get it, you're forcing the other team to go 92 yards. Like you're giving up the opportunity to actually ice the game away and to win mm-hmm. the game and giving up 25 yards of field position. Uh, the thing to, that, like but but I just don't think those 25 yards matter. Like if Oregon was getting a stop in this game, it was going to come or a stop, quote unquote. It was going to come in the red zone forcing a field goal or something. It there was I mean, those 25 yards, that's two slant passes to Jalen McMillan and they have them within 10 seconds. Like, I just don't think that those 25 yards are very valuable. Uh, I get the decision. I think in the post-game press conference, Lanning actually said that he might have hinted that he might have gone for it on that fourth and three if Knicks was in the game. Um, So I'd be curious if he would have. I think that changed it a bit for him, having him go out right before that. But uh, it was a tough, tough spot. I think one of the interesting things to see is how this change, I mean, how this changes Dan Landing's aggression. Uh, He's, I think, for the most part, I think went for it when he needed to go for it. Uh, I wonder if it it failing is going to scare him into becoming a defensive coordinator head coach uh, and being conservative. Don't know. I mean, we just don't know. Maybe that maybe he's just sort of taking it on the chin and not really caring or it's going to completely change. You know, he's a first year head coach first. I don't want to be like too harsh about it, though, because what an impossible situation to be in as a first year head coach. Um, like he hasn't faced anything like this this entire season. Your quarterback who you've leaned on the entire season's injured. I don't know. I'd probably fuck it up. But then again, I'm not being paid millions of dollars to, <laughs> I just, to I tell just people feel like, how to play football. So I just feel like he's set a standard for himself, right? And so to fall short of that standard after what he's done all season with his game management, I, I just, you know, maybe we've seen something like this with a with a crystal ball esque uh, performance after <laughs> having visited Miami. I don't know. Like, I, just, I feel like <laughs> I feel like there's some similarities. That's all. I think it's funny they did an onside kick again this game. Um, <laughs> the exact same situation. The exact yeah. same situation. <laughs> that made me laugh a lot. Let's let's talk about Washington here because I, we're talking a lot about Oregon and their shortcomings and some of their decisions. But Washington won this game. I will say though, before we transition to Washington, Oregon had an 89% post game win expectancy. I think they probably should have won this game. We can talk about that. Yeah. Uh, Washington though, game management will do that. <laughs> Washington. They did a great job uh, offensively, did exactly what we thought they wanted to do. Defensively, probably not great, but got just like, you know, in these kinds of games, you get like one stop, you do one right thing well, and you hope for some uh, you hope for some mistakes from the other team, and they got them. So let's let's talk about Washington. Let's start with Greg. Greg, what did you, did you have any thoughts about how Washington played in this game? 
Yeah, I think for sure they cemented themselves as a tier one team in the conference. Like after the ASU game, we dumped them down. I think we all wrote them off. And I think we were right to do that just with what we'd seen. But in this game, the offense especially, just the way Michael Penix was able to like make throw after throw after throw, like the opposite side of the sideline where Oregon wasn't defending. Like I felt like he was so cool. He did exactly what he needed to do outside of that one uh, bad decision on the interception that, you know, we've talked about. Uh, I was really, really impressed by him. Oregon, I mean, not Oregon, Washington's offensive line as well. I think they held up well. They did what they needed to do to give him time. And uh, the defense from Washington was better than we've seen, I think, or at least better than we expected to see. Like, they held Oregon to a pretty low number in the first half. I don't remember exactly what it was, but, like, it was a super low-scoring game in the beginning of the game, which I don't think any Mm -hmm. of us expected. And so I was really impressed by Washington that they were able to do that, and uh, it made me rethink how I... uh, how I perceive them. Their tackling was still dog shit though. I'm not letting letting him get away with that. That was horrible, but it was super impressive that they only allowed 10 points in the first Mm -hmm. half. But to your point, like Oregon, Washington definitely sold out on the Oregon pass game here. Like Oregon only threw for 280 yards. Now they ran for 316. So this is (laughs) as, as all conversations of PAC 12 defenses go, there's a huge caveat here of everyone is bad and everyone sucks. But like at, for a, a secondary that was as damaged and as, I mean, they've just performed horribly all year, it didn't really get killed in this game. Now, I, I definitely have some questions about the way that Dillingham just did not go over the top in this game with Oregon, where it really felt like Troy Franklin could get whatever he wanted in that way. Um, but I, I thought that, that the Washington defense did, like, fairly well. The other thing, though, that I saw out of Washington is that, like, they ran the ball effectively probably for the first time all season against a decent team. Against, I mean, certainly, again, caveat of Pac-12 defenses, but the strength of this Oregon defense is definitely the front seven, front six. And it seemed like Washington was able to get whatever they wanted on the ground. It's certainly not their strong suit, so they didn't do it a ton, but, like, they were able to get a good five yards a pop running the ball. Yeah, they did a lot of things well. I also think uh, Michael Pen- – I, I know that sometimes the Michael Penix love can get out of hand, but, man, he just uh, – he is the best thrower in the Pac-12. He really is. Like, I don't know if he's the best quarterback mm, because he's Caleb not Williams, very mobile. He has – yeah, it, Penix has the best fastball. I, he absolutely has the best fastball in the Pac-12. Which is impressive because he's left-handed. And it looks weird when he throws. Yes, it does I mean, look weird. Racist, racist. but okay. <laughs> but I don't. I don't think Caleb Williams is throwing into the windows that uh, Michael Penix. Oh, I is think he right absolutely now. is. I don't. think, I think he that's is. his biggest I, I, flaw. I, mean, I think Caleb Williams' biggest flaw is he's willing to do that. It works for him a lot. Yeah, I, but I, I, I'm just not. I'm just not there. I think Michael Penix. It just feels to me like every time Michael Penix throws, it's like some insane window. I, I like. I get Caleb Williams. I like totally understand. But I think a lot of that is created through him. Being able to scramble um, and being able to create plays and extend plays, but Michael Penix is doing this without that, right? It's just straight up like coverage and hoping that he can sort of make those throws, and he does. So I, I don't know. I was really impressed with Michael Penix. I think he was awesome. I thought those receivers, Jalen McMillan, was awesome. Uh, Roma Dunze had a couple of really great plays. I, it was just a, a really great offensive performance again from UW. We have to start talking about UW. UW's offense right up there. I mean, start. We have. They are one of the 
I would say five best Pac-12 offenses, but all five of them are like <laughs> top 15 in the country. But, uh, anyone else have any thoughts about Washington, though? They, they, they won this game. You know, we can sort of debate, I guess, about, you know, whether they should have or not, but they did win this game. Anything you were impressed by? I was actually, so I was disappointed in UW's first half offense. Um, there were multiple times mm-hmm. that Roma Dunze was running wide open down the field. And I mean, he easily should have had two touchdowns in that first half if Penix actually like is looking for that play. Kind of felt like they were coming out. And honestly, like it, it felt this way for both offenses, which just doesn't make sense because of how good these offenses are and how bad these deep, these respective defenses are. I, it felt like both offenses came out like, saying this is going to be a rivalry game we need to weather the storm and then like get through the first 15 and then we'll try something in the second quarter third quarter and and try to actually establish what it is that we want to do there was a lot of intermediate stuff just not really going and and not going for the killer playing into their their strengths in the first half for either of these offenses that i felt was a little disappointing out of these coaches i mean it if if we're talking about Washington's defense, I think pretty much all they did is just take advantage of Oregon shooting themselves in the foot. Like uh-huh. the the first drive, Oregon ran the ball, was in the red zone, 15-yard penalty, hands to the face, stalls the drive out. Then the second drive, Oregon just fumbles the snap. Like Washington didn't do anything there except get on top of the ball. That's a great uh, defensive strategy. As great as forcing field goals <laughs> yeah, on every yeah, drive. Yeah, but here's the thing. <laughs> totally, totally. This is what we're then, talking about when we talk about explosive plays and just you just force Oregon and force any good offense to just take more plays and take more time to actually get to the end zone, right? Like, it's just a matter of, for, of, of staying alive long enough against these kinds of offenses to hope they make some mistakes or force them to make some mistakes. And Oregon and UW did that. Mm. Like I, you know, I think that's that's why we talk I mean, about explosive did they, plays. Though? Like we we don't have access to the all 22. We could hire us somebody. <laughs> um but like I even again, just even watching from the TV copy, like neither of these offenses were really hunting explosives early mm-hmm. on. I Romadunze was running wild. Like Troy Franklin got missed on a deep ball when he was in double coverage and beat both of them. Like you're telling me you couldn't have done that three more times in the game. Like there was so many times where Oregon was running these like three and four vert concepts and Bonix was just checking down to the running back out of it. It was, it was a really weird first half out of the offenses from a preparation standpoint. I don't know that the defenses really did that much in the first half. Kind of what Reed was saying. Yeah, explosive play rate a little bit lower than what I think what you would expect from both of these offenses. UW had a 7% explosive play rate, so th- that's that's bottom third in all games. Uh, Oregon had a 10% explosive play rate, a little bit better, uh, better than 67% of uh, all games, but not like what we'd expect, right? Um, certainly not the... 80% that I think these two teams are accustomed to. So I, I want to get to our last question about this game. This game was a blast. I think everyone had a lot of fun watching this game, as crazy as it was and how dumb as it was, how it kind of ended on maybe an illegal touching thing, which we didn't really talk about. We don't have to. More rough stuff. Uh, I, I'm curious if you thought the best game of the Pac-12 season was this game, Washington beating Oregon in Eugene, or was it Utah beating USC in uh, Salt Lake City. Avery, I want to start with you. Of those two games, which one did you enjoy more? Which did you think was the better game? 
uh, the, I enjoyed this game more for a few reasons. One, I think Oregon fans are super fucking annoying. I think they're the most annoying fan base <laughs> Wait, on the planet. Utah fans too? What are you talking no, about? No, Oregon fans are worse. Oregon fans <laughs> are worse. so much worse. Uh, so I'm much like, worse. Utah fans are bad because of homophobia and racism. Oregon fans are bad just because they're annoying as fuck, That's which much is worse, worse to yeah. me. Yeah. It's much worse. And I think it's funny when they're mad. And I'm enjoying the coping that I'm seeing on Twitter. Um, I also just think it was... I guess I'm biased because I just don't like watching Utah football anymore. I just thought it was a more fun game to watch. I had a more fun time watching it uh, than Utah, USC. I don't know. I think the implications of having it later in the season helped a lot too because there's like so much more on the line, I guess. Uh, I definitely see how there's arguments for both, but watch, watching Oregon lose is just so funny on Twitter. Reed, what did you think was the best game? This one or USC-Utah? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I definitely enjoyed USC-Utah more. <laughs> I think I think this is probably a better game, though, okay. if I'm being honest. Yeah. Uh, Greg, what about you? I disagree. I think USC-Utah was the better game. Uh, one point win with, like, legendary performances from rising and Kincaid incredible I always like games where the home team wins too because I just I love the atmosphere uh and I don't think where it happened in the season mattered because at that point there was just as much on the line for both Utah and USC they both like really needed that win to control their own destiny I guess USC didn't because they've got an easy schedule but Utah absolutely needed that win and uh with the way the defense showed up in the second half in a way they didn't in the first half, I think it was it was huge. And in terms of entertainment, I just thought they played a more uh I thought they played a more entertaining game personally, but I do think it was close. Then the rivalry thing, like I can see how that would put it over the edge for put the UW game over mm-hmm. the over the edge for some people. Matt, what about you? Yeah, I'm 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 coming at it from the same perspective of Greg here. Um where like the importance of the home crowd, right? And and like when you look at these two games, the like all due respect to UW, your crowds haven't been great this year. I, I think that's fair to say. The fact that these two games got played at Utah and at Odson, I think very much so amplify like the the takeaway from this game. And yeah, I'm I'm a sucker for games that kick off at night. I'm a sucker for the home team getting the win and all of it. And and the other thing that I'll say about it though, like so, I I definitely am on like Utah USC still being the game of the year. Two things out of that though, like I do think that Washington has out unquestionably outperformed their preseason expectations. When you came into the year, the fact that Utah and USC have actually been what they thought they might be, I think that that was a huge piece to the actual hype of that game. But the other thing is that I think that Utah USC was more marked by the plays that were made and like. And, and people actually being able to elevate the game, where I do think that as you look at the UW-Oregon game, I feel like that was more marked by the mistakes. Mm. I, so I will say about this about both games. Um, I, I think they're super similar in a lot of ways, in that I think that the better team lost in both of these. Uh, and, and they better oh, team lost off. The better, better <laughs> team lost in both of these games. This because is galaxy brain shit right great, here. Great no, take. USC great is take. not a good team. Are you stupid? USC is not a great team, but I think but I think that USC did get uh, look, I don't want to I, I don't want to validate conspiracy theories. Hold on, Greg. I, you, USC is a better team in a vacuum. USC is a better team in a vacuum. 
But Utah deserved to win okay, that game. But, but hold on, hold on. Can I finish? Thank you. Um, <laughs> no, you can't because you just yelled at me for putting for putting USC as my top team in the ranking, which I was actually just like, I don't even know. <laughs> well, 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 I know that you for something different. I think USC <laughs> controlled much of that game against Utah. Uh, they did, and it kind of came down to a couple of tough calls. And in this game, Oregon... I, I don't want to say they controlled this game as much as uh, USC controlled the game against Utah, but it came down to a couple of errors from Oregon. Uh, I think that uh, both of these games, I felt like the better team probably lost. Now, whatever. They both won games. I think they were super entertaining. I think they were similar in better ways. Um, obviously, Utah won. Uh, UW won. Like, that's great. We can say that they're better teams, but it felt like... Uh, they felt very similar to me. Like I think about them super similarly. Um, the way that these two games unfolded. So I don't just know. Win, it's a wash. Baby. That's yeah, what just Oregon fans say. Just that's win. It. No, that's it. That's all that Doesn't matters. Doesn't matter who's the better team. Just yeah. win. The post game win expectancy isn't based on. Uh, there's no one. No one's basing records on post game win expectancy. They're just <laughs> not. I I'm just happy that for the first time in Pac-12 history, yes, Pac-12 history, the hype has been real all the way through the season. Like the games mm-hmm. that have been hyped up yeah. have been legitimately good. The teams that were hyped up have been legitimately good. Like this is the first time that the PAC 12 has actually delivered in a way that it's supposed to. And it's been so much fun. Oh, it's been a blast. It's been a blast. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on from this game and talk about things that did not go as planned and teams that did not live up to their hype. <laughs> Arizona beat UCLA. <laughs> Uh, oh, the this, hype has been lived up to. We hyped them as bowling, Carlos. They're bowling. Uh, Arizona <laughs> shocks UCLA in Pasadena, 34 to 28. Uh, the offenses were fairly even in this game if you looked at the box score, but Arizona led for much of this one, taking a 14-0 lead early. UCLA eventually finally took a lead early on in the fourth quarter to go up 28-24, but Jaden Delora put together some Jaden Delora magic to put Arizona back up for good. Uh, lots of folks, I think, will point to UCLA's defense, but UCLA's defense, I think, performed as bad as we thought they would. The offense, though, struggled mightily relative to what they normally do, despite, you know, Zach Charbonnet getting 181 yards and three touchdowns, despite DTR not really making, not throwing an interception. I won't say make mistakes, but there is so much to dig in here that went on at Pac-12 After Dark. We finally got our one boneheaded loss, and of course, it came from UCLA. Uh, let's let's start with UCLA here, Greg. You start us off. What what went wrong for UCLA in this one? So for UCLA, I think we saw the UCLA defense that we'd been waiting to see for most of the year. Like coming into the year, and you know, going into the Washington game, going into the Utah game, we were all expecting UCLA secondary to be really bad. We were expecting their defense to get torched, and. Uh, it didn't really in those games. They did a great job. Uh, and then against Oregon, they fell apart. But it's like, okay, Oregon might be the best team in the conference by a decent margin. That's how we felt at the time. And then we get to this game, and Arizona just torched them. Like, at no point did UCLA's defense look they were like they were interested in putting up any sort of resistance. Uh Jacob Cowing was fantastic, especially at the end of that game. Uh, UC- oh my God, UCLA could not keep contain on Jaden Delora, which was it was hard to watch. But like, I think the defense was the bigger story because while UCLA's offense had a bad game, I think we're all expecting better from them going forward, despite the bad game. 
whereas uh, I'm not expecting better from their defense. Yeah, it was a it was a truly a baffling, baffling, uh, absolutely baffling uh, performance from UCLA's offense. I don't know so much to talk about, but Avery, <laughs> what, what did you see in this game? What went wrong for UCLA, or what went right for Arizona? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what went wrong for for UCLA. <laughs> um, <laughs> DTR decided to. Uh, tell a reporter that he practices hurdling and he watches tape to decide who's the best defense defenders to hurdle against. And I watched this game. I can't remember. I don't think he had any attempted hurdles. And Not I think a that's, one. I think that's because he knew he let out his secret. And they were reporting that Arizona players were practicing defending against a hurdle. So DTR <laughs> just fucked himself over there. And that's where they went wrong. Listen, this is truck stops. I'm sorry for bringing it up. Did you guys see Robert Griffin the third? Don't care. Don't care. Uh, com- no, no, no. This was good. Commenting on the guy that like got absolutely speared in the gooch when he was trying to um, trying to hurdle a guy. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I, what oh, was it? Oh God, that he play. said like it, that must have hurt or something. Oh, he was full. He got a helmet to the between the. I'm gonna leave that alone. Like for the first time, <laughs> Robert Griffin the third didn't say what was on his mind <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think that UCLA's defense was bad. We knew they were bad. I think that their offense was fine. But I'll tell you what, the bad vibes prevailed. Finally, (laughs) after weeks, after fucking weeks, three weeks in a row, I have been waiting for some chaos to happen. And the fucking favorites have won every fucking game for the last three weeks. And I was sick and tired. And this week, I finally got some vindication. The Pac-12 is back where I want it. (laughs) I want five, seven, and two teams. I need it. I need it. The arc of history is long, but it bends towards bad vibes. That is correct. (laughs) Never wrong, just early. Never wrong, just early. UCLA, excuse me, I I almost said USC, um, is fraudulent. And I was correct. I just was there like four weeks early. Yeah. This is a bad game from UCLA. Uncharacteristically bad uh, offensive performance. I think probably one of the the most shocking things about this performance for UCLA is DTR – he looked a little like 2019 DTR. He looked a little like the DTR that everyone thought he was. This is a very uncharacteristic game from him. Just like running into tackles, taking big sacks, forcing throws. Like he looked like he was a deer in the headlights for the first time in like two or three years. Like this is uncharacteristic for him. Uh, Zach Charbonnet played great. I don't, don't know that you can ask much from him. UCLA's offensive line completely collapsed. Uh, Casimir Allen was not in this game. I wonder how much. I wonder how much of this uh, was that. But obviously, if you don't have the depth to replace like your third string running back, your slash your like I don't know second string wide receiver, you prob- you've got some problems. Uh, so uh, UCLA did not look did not look good offensively and defensively. Could not stop uh, Arizona. Could not stop Jaden Delora. Let's. Does anyone have any thoughts about UCLA before we move on to Arizona? Because I have many thoughts about Arizona on this one too. Zach Charbonnet had a really bad drop in this game. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, an excruciating mm-hmm. drop. And that, as much as I wanted Arizona to win, I like was fully rooting for Arizona in this game. That hurt me because I love Zach Charbonnet and I don't want him to be blamed because he's a beautiful, beautiful football player. I I talked about this with UCLA last week. I think it was on the episode. I eight percent explosive play rate, forty fourth percentile. Like when UCLA does not get their explosives, they they really really struggle on offense. They're very similar uh, to like a, a USC and Utah in that way that the the 
um, the success rate is not as damaging as their explosive play rate. Yeah, that's true. And and I think you kind of saw that at the end of this game. UCLA actually had a chance to win this and get put ahead. Um, they uh, ended up driving down the field somewhat easily. They got to about the 35, Arizona's 35-yard line, and then completely gave up on anything that was short or intermediate, right? Like, just, com- just four straight, just shots at the end zone uh trying to get nothing towards the sidelines not trying to get anything over the middle mm-hmm. past the first down yard line that just felt like they were launching it at the end zone and that's kind of emblematic like they they are really good at the short and intermediate but man they were hunting explosive plays and in, in, in situations they absolutely did not need to and especially against an Arizona defense that will give you whatever the fuck you want. Like, play the highest percentage play you can in your playbook because you're going to get eight yards every time. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Let's let's shift over to Arizona here uh, because they had an incredible game. Uh, post-game win expen- expectancy, I think, was 86% or something like that for Arizona. Arizona not only won this game, they absolutely should have. Uh Reed, I want to ask you about Arizona. Did you get what? I know you were sort of uh, recovering from Oregon, uh, but did you get a watch one of this game? And what did you think about Arizona? Yeah, after the Oregon game, went went picked up some big fast food, uh, just sat down and hate watched this game. But coming out of it, bowl eligible Arizona is fucking awesome. It is my favorite thing going on in the conference right now by far. It's way more interesting to me than the title race. This team is so fun. The wide receivers uh, are all like spectacular. Delore is the perfect chaotic quarterback to lead this group. Uh, Jed Fish is just like the easiest head coach to root for in the conference right now, I think. Um, it was a huge win for them. Like I did not think they had it in them to actually win this game. They had failed in so many tests. I mean, the last four games, they played the other top five teams in the conference every time. They maybe looked like they had a punch here or there, but never could get it done. I didn't think they would get it done here, uh, but they did. So I was so happy to see Arizona win and keep bowl eligibility alive. Greg, what did you think about Arizona? It's disappointing for me as an Arizona hater. Uh, did not enjoy that. <laughs> Hold up, Greg. Hold it, Greg. On the bright Greg, side. Greg, how we feeling? On the bright side. <laughs> I know how much Jed loves to cover as an underdog, and so I was I was riding Arizona from that perspective. So it had it had some positives for me, but on on the whole, yeah, Arizona is a ton of fun. I still don't think they're going to get to bowl eligibility because Jaden Delora is so chaotic, and there's no way there's no way he goes three and zero in the last three games. It's just <laughs> not in his nature. It's not in his DNA. Uh, the joy is in the journey, Greg. I, the joy right. is That's in right. the and journey. And I'm glad you can enjoy this journey. I, I'm going to enjoy the outcome, though, I think. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that Chip Kelly is a bowl-eligible Arizona believer. And as soon as he saw Arizona go down to Cal, which is a game like they should have won and would have put him in a way better position, he said, fuck it. We ride. I will blow this game. I will... Um, <laughs> 
I will hurt Kaz Allen so he can't play. I will do all this so that Bulletable Arizona can survive. The Chip Kelly extension memes are only funny if there's a reason. And I appreciate <laughs> Chip Kelly's commitment to the mm-hmm. bit. Uh, a bit about Arizona. I think uh, Jaden Delora, actually, we saw good and bad Jaden Delora in this game. Like, it wasn't just like a good Jaden Delora game. It was also a really fucking bad Jaden Delora game. Can we stop saying good and bad Jaden Delora? It's just Jaden Delora. A good Jaden Delora game is where he doesn't lose the game for them. <laughs> so this was a good Jaden Delora game. He had some moments where he almost lost this game for them. I think that it but was... But he didn't. But I think it was like sort of <laughs> taking big sacks. But it was also like running around and like UCLA could not keep up with him. They did not have the speed to keep up with Jaden Delora when he was on the scramble and able to get away. It feels like he took like three or four super unnecessary sacks. Um, but I think the thing that's going to get lost here and the thing that we absolutely like cannot like just leave alone was that their defense looked not bad at all. Like I, I was actually the one thing I think that stuck out to me was that for the first time all season, they were aggressive. Like they were, they were blitzing. It felt like on 80% of plays, like they were aggressive up front. They were trying like hell to rattle DTR. It's the first time I've seen them all year blitz it anywhere near as much as they did because they know what's on the line, Carlos. (laughs) And it made UCLA's offensive line look shitty uh it it made dtr look bad it forced him into some insane decisions dtr did have a couple of highlights here but generally it sort of forced dtr to have to either make a highlight play or look incredibly silly that was an impressive defensive performance from arizona i don't think it was all just ucla looking like dog shit i think arizona was doing some stuff that was confusing the shit out of ucla that ucla had never seen before arizona fans are talking on twitter being like where the fuck was this pass rush like in the past six games like if they had had this level of pass rush against any of the games that they lost they probably get another one or two they're probably bowl eligible right now um so kind of kind of tough for them to figure it out this late but just in time just in time for bowl eligibility i don't don't think it's bad that they figured out now i think they know exactly what they're doing and they want to go into the Washington State game, the most narrative full game this season, with everything on the line. And I appreciate it because I'm going to have a fun-ass time watching that game. Well, I just, I have a quick question on DTR. Carlos, obviously you watch these games closely. We talked about last week about how it really felt like DTR was left in that game too long. Do you feel like DTR was in any way hampered or injured in this game because he did not run the ball like he normally does? And, and it felt like something was slightly off. And I'm wondering if, if you agree that maybe possibly something happened last week when he was taking that beating. I don't think so. I did not see, I, you know, he wasn't running as well as he did, but I think a lot of that was his own decision-making. Uh, I did not see him uh, gimpy. I did not see him sort of like slow down. I don't even think, and like, that's what I didn't see, but I also didn't see that conversation on Twitter. Um, typically someone will pick up on that and be like, Ooh, take a look at DTR here. He's a little slow. Uh, you know, D- David Woods would have tweeted something like that. Like, I didn't see it. I rely on other people to kind of check my thinking on that to see if they do it. And no one was talking about DTR mm-hmm. not looking right. Uh, I think it was just his decisions uh, because he did get away for some explosive runs, but uh, he also had some insane sacks that he really shouldn't have taken. So I don't think it's that. Um, just so we're clear, UCLA is not dead in the Pac-12 title race, but they do need more help than I than uh, probably most teams, except for UW. They need to win out, obviously. Uh, they also need Oregon to beat Utah so that Oregon can easily take, they don't get in a tie with Oregon um, and create a sort of a mess. And 
they need UW to lose one more game, and that they and UW plays Colorado and Wazoo, so they need UW to le- lose the Apple Cup, so that UW does not they don't get in a tie with UW because then they would get in a tie with USC and Utah at seven and two in conference, and UCLA would win that tiebreaker because they beat both USC and Utah, and all three of those teams played each other. So, uh, yeah, UCLA I needs fo- some help. I followed at least half of that. <laughs> okay, if you're a UCLA fan, your rooting interests are <laughs> Oregon loses, uh, Oregon beats Utah, UW loses to Wazoo in the season finale. That's okay, what you I have a question. For. If my rooting interests are complete and utter chaos, what what am I looking for here? Uh, what you're... if I want a five team tie? <laughs> if you want a five team there? tie, how do we get there? Yeah, so Colorado uh, has to win a game. UCLA has to no. Colorado does not have to win a game. Yeah, uh, yeah. Colorado has to beat Utah. Is that right? No, Oregon can beat Utah. Oh, so if Colorado beats Utah, if Col- if Utah beats Oregon, but Colorado beats Utah, this shit gets super weird. Or Oregon loses. To, Oregon beats Utah, but loses to Oregon State. That too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would do well, it. Well, that's, that's much more likely. Yeah. You don't need Colorado to do shit. Do I have Moneyline parlays lined up for that? Who could say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So that was Arizona UCLA. UCLA. No, 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 real quick. One, okay. one more because like I talk a lot of shit about him and I feel like he actually does deserve credit. Podcast regular Dewey. Uh, I don't know his Twitter app because he keeps getting suspended. <laughs> um, he had the call on Arizona being 2010 UW like three weeks ago where UW started three and six, but then beat UCLA on their way to finishing three and zero to become bowl eligible. I Dewey, I'm sorry for all of the mean things I've ever said to you. I will continue to do it and I will not change my behavior, but know that you are seen and you are heard. Uh, one more shout out uh, for, for being, <laughs> for being a visionary. Avery called Arizona beating UCLA like six weeks ago. <laughs> and Greg was like, you're fucking insane. That's not going to happen. Please shut the fuck up. Uh-huh. <laughs> and let us be very clear. Carlos bringing up the idea that UW may or may not beat Oregon last week. We we're not acknowledging to be that. Fair, that to be fair, Carlos thing. thought that was insane too. When Chris Peterson predicted a UW win, Carlos said he had CTE. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I didn't even believe myself. I was trying to talk myself into it. He doesn't get credit. Yeah, I, almost, I almost picked Utah as a joke last week, and I'm mad I did. Yeah, you almost picked it as your bad vibes game. You said it. Uh, yeah. You're like, no, 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 I'm going to Arizona. Turns out you should have picked both of them. You're you just listen to your vibes. Your your vibes radar grapes. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the rest of these games. Uh, the Pac-12 is so much more fun when it's chaos. Oh, this is yeah. so much better than what we've had the previous ten. Yeah, weeks. think about how boring it was. The past couple of weeks where it was like uh yeah uh ucla and usc and oregon and utah won i guess uh what do we talk about we have a lot to talk about now Uh, although i think november 19th would have been way more fun if all these teams had won but here we are anyway those are the big games we had four other i think horrifically boring games that went chalk usc beat colorado 55 to 17 after a rough start in the first quarter that Matt alluded to on Friday night. Meanwhile, Wazoo beat ASU 28 to 18. This was uh, much more of a blowout than uh, the score indicates. Wazoo went up 28 to zero, like in the first half. Uh, and ASU score tried to get into this and they just couldn't. Uh, Utah beat Stanford 42 to seven and Oregon state beat Cal 38 to 10. So of these four games, who impressed you the most? Matt, let's Can start I with go you. first. Yeah, Avery, Avery was dying to go first. I Avery's go juice today. Oregon State is ranked number 25 Let's in the go. Yes. Let's like, go. 
we were just talking about this before we started recording what the chances are Oregon State gets in because remember their three losses are to USC, Utah, and UW. I thought Utah, UW was a bad loss until yesterday, so that's pretty cool. But they're quality ranked. loss kings, quality loss kings. Yeah, very happy for Oregon State. They handled Cal. Um, ben Gilbranson is still really fucking bad, and <laughs> I think they should bad. be super concerned about that. Um, if they want Avery, is he is he actually the worst quarterback in the Pac-12? Oh, I think JT I, Shroud. It's still no, JT I Shroud. JT I don't Shroud, know. No, listen. I think I think JT Shroud and Ben Gilbranson are the same exact player. Okay. I am not convinced they don't fly back and forth between the different stadiums. Like I think it's the same person. They play exactly. Has the anyone same. ever seen them in the um, same room? Exactly. Not once. Ben not Gilbranson. Ben Gilbranson, I think, is elevated by the players around him, where JT Shroud is not. So I don't think it's like a very good debate to have. Are I we sure both, he's not? Both Are we really, really, really sure bad. We don't know. Um, <laughs> Jack Coletto had a bomb Best of a pass, pass of in this game. game. It was insane. Yeah. It had me wondering why Jack Coletto's not the starting quarterback, but it looks like he got injured, oh, so that's really God. sad. I hope he's okay. Carlos said Penix was the best thrower in the Pac-12. That's Coletto. <laughs> yeah. Jack, Coletto Jack Coletto is truly a Swiss Army knife. Um, Jack Coletto is what BYU fans thought Taysom Hill was. Uh, Jack Coletto <laughs> is fucking incredible. I hope he's okay. Um, if he's okay, if he's playing this week, there is fucking no no reason Ben Goldbranson should be the starting quarterback. I don't care. Put Jack Coletto in. Yeah. Uh, Currently consumed by the thought of NFL tight end Jack Coletto, and I am in love. <laughs> Jack Coletto is quirky <laughs> and not like other girls. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Matt, who improved you the most of these four teams? Improved. So... It's interesting because, like, I actually I kind of agree with the idea of Cal- of Oregon State, just in the sense that, like, what we what I called for specifically in the beginning of the season was yes, we expected the record to improve, but I we needed Oregon State to stop losing these games. Right? They lost to Colorado last year. They needed to beat the teams that they were supposed to beat. That was the next step in the program, and they have genuinely done that this year. Um, honestly, ultimately, like my total like. Actual most impressive thing out of all of these games, y'all, Utah has a supreme talent at quarterback in Nate Johnson. I Yes. This is legitimately one of, if not the fastest players in college he football. He is literally the fastest he, quarterback in college football. Like, that's not a he joke. Was, he was an Elite 11 finalist. They don't do that for you being fast. Like, I have been saying that we don't know what Utah's ceiling is, and I am not sitting here saying that, like, Nate Johnson is going to take Utah to a national championship level by any stretch, but Utah might actually have be able to reach into a bag and pull out a supreme talent as we look forward to this game against Oregon and as we and like a potential Pac-12 championship game for them. Nate Johnson is real, and you should look for him on the field. He is something. Yeah. Uh, did he? It, I'm looking at the. I did not get to watch much of this Utah Stanford game at all. I'm looking at the box score. Did he have more than just that one big run and one throw? That one big run is the only snap he has taken this season <laughs> that didn't go for a touchdown. <laughs> and it went for, it looks like 21 yards. Yeah. And he just. Every other snap he's taken went for a touchdown. He's so fast. It's yeah. unreal. I think the hype is real. I saw a for tweet. This guy. Uh, and so someone was saying, is Nate Johnson the fastest quarterback in uh, college football? And so of the top, uh, so of, of the FBS quarterbacks in 2022, the top uh, high school 100 meter times, 
Number three is Delaney Crawford. Don't know who he plays for. Is a ten five five. Then Jason Bean at ten three seven is two, and Nate Johnson at number one at a ten three six hundred meter, which is fucking insanely fast. Like the dude could legitimately run a ten two. That's fucking insane. Very cool. Very cool. Well, curious to see if what he looks like if Cam Rising is gone. I if if he is not used against Oregon, it's malpractice on Utah's part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Cam Cam Rising said he expected last night to be his last home game, so it sounds like he's he's leaving. Wow. Wow, that's stunning. He's been in college for six years. Yeah. Like the COVID season fucking with everybody's eligibility. I think that people are forgetting that like, I don't know how you felt about your college experience. I'm not trying to do it for eight years. <laughs> like I'm on year nine right now and it's fucking awful. <laughs> and you're not we, a quarterback. Yeah, there you no, go. No, I'm not. Could could be. My number's <laughs> open. I got eligibility left. I refuse to be impressed with any of these teams. I think that these four games was mostly about you are a hater. The, the bottom, the bottom four teams in this in the Pac-12 are just horrible, and that's great for the conference because for once the bottom four don't beat up on the top at all, but they are just terrible. UW UW fans mad that you didn't say that they're a top four team now. Wow, <laughs> this is some this is some rivalry. This is some rivalry hatred for Oregon State. Reed, I am calling yeah. you out. You need to stop. This is an intervention. Oregon State. Oregon State is them. I'm impressed. I'm impressed by Oregon State for other reasons. I'm not impressed by anything that someone does against Cal. How? It's fair. Yeah, it's fair. fair. Cal's defense is actually. <laughs> better than most of the defenses in the That's conference, true. including Oregon's. So they hold people to less than field goals, usually. Um, <laughs> but what I was going to say is I think it's impressive for Oregon State to not be under 500 with Ben Goldbranson at quarterback. Yeah. That is an impressive feat. We talked about yeah. how Jonathan Smith, uh, because he got the seventh win, uh, he got a, a one-year extension on his contract. To 2029. Yeah, I did not realize that Oregon State... He signed through 2029? Yeah. I didn't realize Oregon State had that kind of deal, but that is fantastic. It's the kind of deal that works great for Stoops at Kentucky, and I think it'll work great for Smith and uh, Oregon State. You keep realistic expectations, and as long as those are being met, the contract automatically gets extended. I love it for them. And I love that you don't run into the bullshit like recruiting issues uh-huh. when it comes to like the whole... like oh, he's gone in two years recruiting and buyout. Like, it really, it protects the school as much as the coach. I really like those deals. Mm -hmm. It's kind of cool. I will say, Oregon State, Washington State, both impressive to me because they're beating the teams they should. Like, they have not Mm -hmm. lost a game that they shouldn't have, right? Like, Washington State got blown out by Oregon State, but Oregon State's pretty good. Other than that, like, Washington State, they beat the shit out of Arizona State. I get it. People are going to be like, oh, well, you know, it was 28 to 18, but, like, Washington State let up after they went up 28 to nothing. That was nothing. Beat the shit out of Stanford. Lost a close one to Utah. Lost a close one to USC. Lost a close one to Oregon. Oregon State, on the other hand, they beat the shit out of Cal. Uh, They lost a heartbreaker to Washington. Beat the shit out of Colorado. Beat Washington State. Beat Stanford. Okay, Stanford is the one where it's like, ooh, they barely beat Stanford. But (laughs) they, they were competitive against USC. Got blown out by Utah. But, you know, it's like they performed really well considering the quarterback situation that they were in. Um, so I, I'm really impressed with Oregon State and Washington State just winning the games that they have to. Like, I feel like that's so rare, for, bo- especially for both of these programs. We talked about, oh, wow, you really expect Washington State to win the games that it should and lose the games that it should? Yeah, it turned out that way pretty much as long as they keep going and beat 
Well, Washington State, Arizona is not like that's a toss up, frankly. Like I would not be upset if Washington State lost to Arizona, but you know. So here's a question for you because I we've all been fans of middling teams at mm-hmm. times. Reed probably less so than most. Like I I lived through a time when Utah would beat the best team in the country and lose to the worst. Like, would you rather be a middling team that beats the teams you're supposed to and loses the teams you're that, that you're supposed to, or would you rather be kind of that high variance that the Arizona's of the world, right? Where, I think it definitely depends on the program too, though. Like for Oregon state, that's fucking huge. But like at Oregon, you, you're better than that. Yeah. I think it's, it's more fun to be a high variance team that can pull the upset. But I think the path to like sustainably building a program is taking care of business. Like I have more faith in Washington state it, once Dickert gets this thing rolling in a few years to maybe up this to the point that they're consistently winning eight games rather than like, six. Like projecting forward, does Oregon State and Wazoo feel better than Arizona right now? I don't think so just because of the way Jed Fish is recruiting. That's the yeah. difference yeah. for me is he's recruiting at such a higher level. Arizona Arizona has a much higher ceiling. But uh, if it wasn't the recruiting difference, I think I'd feel much better about Oregon State because I think Jonathan Smith's the best coach among these by far. Yeah. I think Oregon State's being built the most sustainably, mm-hmm. and then I would go Arizona because some of the top-end talent they have, you're just not getting at Wazoo or Oregon State in terms of that receiver room. And, yeah. and Arizona is a pretty good job like at its ceiling. Uh, it could be. you know, They've played in Pac-12 titles. Especially while ASU is in the show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why people talk about why people were talking about Arizona as like a terrible job, like it was Wazoo, Oregon State. I don't think it is. Uh, you know, I actually don't think Arizona has a way better history than ASU. I I agree. I yeah. don't understand like the the variance in the view of those two jobs. It's just recency bias. Yeah, I think that's what it is. People saw them like lose as bad as they did, but like that had I think that had little to do with them as a program, more to do with the coaches that that they had there. But you can't tell me that people aren't looking at ASU and saying they have boobs, so clearly a better job. Like I like <laughs> <laughs> crazy stuff. So anyway, before we move on, I do just have one note about Stanford. Uh, ESPN had a graphic during the game that was just an interesting uh, mm. snapshot of where Stanford is versus where they were pre-transfer portal. You know, so 2011 through 2018, David Shaw had a 759 winning percentage at Stanford. They were scoring 31.9 points per game, allowing 20.4 points per game over that span. Since the transfer portal, so 2019 through 2022, 359 winning percentage, 22.7 points scored per game, and they've allowed 31.3 points per game. It's so wild how hard they've fallen off. It's almost like it was an institutional problem all yeah, along. The, truly, the idea of Stanford like dropping D1 football is not satire. Yeah, <laughs> it's a discourse that's picking up, frankly. They uh, hate fun so much that it's like on the horizon. Yeah, they do hate yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, just a quick, uh, another quick note. Um, Stanford's wins in their three wins, they have scored uh, 72 points total in their three wins. Just so people know, Oregon scored 70 points against Eastern Washington. So, uh, very, very bad uh, Stanford team. I, I got, I talk about them. I, I put them in the same bucket as Colorado. Like, I don't really care about talent level. I think that's a toss-up game for me on a neutral site, frankly, um, which is insane to say. So, okay, let's. Uh, that's it for our recap. Let's talk MVPs. Reed, who you got? I'm sad to report the Peyton Henry redemption arc. UW's kicker <laughs> missed the big kick in 2018. Him sticking this one was heartbreaking, and, and he deserves That's it. That's back-to-back weeks he's gotten a nomination. 
Mm-hmm. Lefty <laughs> kickers don't deserve rights. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Avery, who's your MVP? Uh, my MVP is Jaden Delora. Yeah. For real. Not yeah. as a joke this yeah. time. Hell yeah. Keep Bulge Willie Arizona alive. I love to see it. 22 for 28, 315 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Greg, who's your MVP? He had two fumbles, though, which was bad. Yeah, but well, we, we don't, don't, don't have to talk about, about it. <laughs> <laughs> My MVP was going to be Nate Johnson, so I had an excuse to talk to him, but Matt already did that. Thank you. So I got to talk about a different redemption arc, also from the Utah-Stanford game. Tavion Thomas, 22 carries, 180 yards, two touchdowns, more yards in this year's Stanford game than he did in last year's Stanford game, where you may remember Utah had a historically good rushing night. Uh, So really, really happy for him. He had a great game, looked like his 2021 self. Yeah, you're not going to believe this, but the Stanford defense made a running back look incredible. Mm -hmm. Love to see it. (laughs) Matt? Uh, mine was also going to be Jaden Delora, so I will pivot to Jacob Cowing. Nine mm-hmm. catches on nine targets, 118 yards. When Jaden Delora is doing his Jaden Delora thing, he is looking at one man and one man alone, uh, and that is Jacob Cowing. Special shout-out to Tet McMillan. One catch, 17 yards, a touchdown. That touchdown was a backbreaker uh, and and was an amazing play. So. And that touchdown gave me the win over Carlos's B team in fantasy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Ted. There you go. Uh, yeah, I I I also had Jacob counting on my radar, but uh, I'll go ahead and pivot a little bit and say Nakia Watson. Again, another really great game from him. The coup grade is finding some some life on the ground. Twenty attempts, one hundred sixteen yards, three touchdowns, five point eight yards per carry. Really good day from him. Any uh. Any honorable mentions? I've got one here. Uh, I think I, I think oh, I lost the Washington receiver. Uh, I think it was Jalen McMillan. I oh, always get Jalen yeah. McMillan yeah. and Jalen Polk confused. Jalen both McMillan, had good games. Yeah, both had pretty good games. Jalen McMillan, eight catches, 122 yards, 15-2. He had some really big uh, plays in that game. So We need to mention that play where Christian Gonzalez had the interception. Like, he yeah. went over the top, mm-hmm. snagged do, the ball. Do we need to mention and that? And Jalen McMillan <laughs> is just a stronger person. Ripped the ball back, got the catch. Washington ends up scoring a touchdown on that drive. Beautiful play from him. Oregon loses their mes- their their master mustache uh, strength and conditioning coach, and this is the result. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Uh, what one last uh, one last one? I'm sorry, Tuala Papa. I know he left the game injured, but was averaging six yards per carry for Washington. Um, again, a team that cannot run the ball actually was able to run the ball in the first half, and I do think uh, it was able to establish some things. Seven yards per carry. Yeah, pretty great game from him. Okay, AP poll readout. Uh, you all mentioned it. We have a new entrant this year, this week. Uh, Oregon State coming in at 25. We thought they wouldn't be able to do I it. I believe. But here they are. Oregon State comes in at number 25. That's that's great for the Pac-12, honestly. You get another ranked win in the AP poll. College football playoff, I don't know. We'll see if the AP poll has any sway over them. Probably not. They like to try to pretend that they're not connected, so we'll probably throw Oregon State out to be different. Uh, UCLA drops to number 16. That's seven spots from the, uh, I think that was the nine they were last week. Uh, UW jumps just ahead of UCLA into the top 15. They are number 15, bumping up nine spots. Oregon fell six spots to number 12 in the AP poll. Utah, now a top 10 team, uh, moving up three spots after their win and a couple of other losses from the top 10. Uh, They are number 10, and USC moves up by basically inertia. Uh, They are number seven. Any any big surprises? Reed, anything you're surprised by? Anything you want to point out here? Does it matter? Nothing matters anymore. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Fair point. Rita's starting to get the no. show, guys. I'm so <laughs> happy. <laughs> USC continues to be ranked way too high. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I don't really it's care. It's called though. having a brand read. <laughs> no, really, though. Like, like Clemson, Utah, USC are all you need to know. That's all the data points you need for preseason voting bias. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I think Utah's bad. Whatever. Uh, any other thoughts about the top 25? Greg? Avery? Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised UCLA fell below UW. Uh, you know? Like, that's one of those where they I feel like... They have the head-to-head. UCLA not only has the head-to-head there, but, like, they beat the shit out of Washington, and they have better wins than Washington. Or I guess, you know, there's the Oregon win, but, uh, I mean, UCLA has two uh, two top 25 wins, right? Whereas Washington... Uh, UW does now, too, with Oregon State in. Ah, Oregon I State. Think, mm. I think that since, like, the AP poll draws from a bunch of separate voters i i I expect the college football playoff to have ucla above washington just because of the Mm -hmm. head-to-head you're right yeah we'll see and because they're trying to set up the usc ucla of course yeah there you go yeah that's true because again (laughs) the college football playoff is a tv product Mm -hmm. it must be remembered yeah six six top 25 teams the pac-12 is pretty deep like they we're getting six top 25 teams but like frankly washington state is top 25 worthy i don't think they should be but they're like a top 25 level team they've just had a a tough schedule um so really like seven really good teams and arizona's like i'd put them in that sort of same tier of quality teams obviously they're not top 25 but i don't know they look they look all year have been pretty um pretty impressive so okay let's move on to questions we've got one question here from a listener mr original 501 he asks after listening to y'all argue about utah or oregon state secondaries you gotta rank the top units in not just secondaries in the conference the next podcast so what i thought we would do real quick from each of y'all and then we can discuss what is the best unit in the pac-12 this could be like oregon state secondary it could be i don't know arizona UW's receivers it could be like wherever you want to go with this one so uh, Reed, let's start with you on this one. Who is? What do you think is the best unit in the Pac-12? Uh, I, I this is what I thought going into when we were having this discussion leading into this week. I'll go with Oregon's offensive line. I think it's uniquely good. I think it's a reason that they're maybe the best team in the conference still. Maybe after this weekend, I don't know. Uh, but Oregon's offensive line is really good. It's the best in the conference. Greg, what about you? You know, I'm I'm just gonna stay riding with Utah's secondary. Uh, it's really, really good. It's definitely better than Oregon State's secondary. Uh, and they've got maybe the best player in the conference with Clark Phillips. I'm choosing Oregon State secondary mostly because I value um, skill juxtaposed to talent. Like I think it's impressive how good they are despite ha- having their talent being bad. I know not everybody measures things like that, but I do. And damn it, they ball. They ball out there. They have a great time doing it. And they're more fun to watch than Utah secondary. I don't care. I disagree. <laughs> Matt, what about you? Best unit Maybe in the I'm cheating, but it's USC quarterback room. Oh, like, Kay yeah. Williams is actually the best player in the in the conference. And Miller Moss is really good, yeah, too. Fair. I don't know. There's an argument for Utah's quarterback room, too, though. Yeah. <laughs> so true. But that's not a unit. That's not a unit because they don't play Heisman on the field at the same time. Yeah. Caleb Williams, you're adorable. Um, yeah, so if that's cheating... I injuries are tough, but Tavion Thomas actually being good again kind of makes me lean the Utah running back room. Um, otherwise, I'll go with the Oregon offensive line as well. They they've been in, extremely masterful. 
Yeah, I think uh, Oregon State secondary is right up there. I have a hard time between picking Oregon State secondary. Again, just watching what they've done to elite receivers in this conference. Like, I don't know if any unit has had performances that impressive, uh, right, as Oregon State shutting down USC's receivers and Washington's receivers, the two best rec- two best receiver rooms in the conference. So, and it's, it's especially impressive considering, like, they don't have a, a guy. Right, like they don't have they don't have a Caillou Blue Kelly, they don't have a Clark Phillips the third, they don't have a Christian Gonzalez. Like it's that they are an impressive unit. Yeah, they just swarm where they need to. It feels like really collective. It feels like it could be anyone. Um, so Oregon State secondary deserves some love, but I do think Arizona's receivers. I you know I don't know. I always struggle with Arizona, Washington, and USC's receiver room. I think USC with Jordan Addison probably not being 100 percent right now has to take a step down. I, I think Arizona's receivers are right up there. I struggle with them, um, and I you know running backs. I, I UCLA is like has the same argument as Caleb Williams, and that they have Zach Charbonnet, who's maybe mm-hmm. himself has an argument for the best player in Utah the pack. Tight ends if they're healthy too. Yeah, well, you know, and and mm. they're probably not at this point, so that's the that might be knocking them down a not peg. Probably. <laughs> um, so anyway, I don't know. I think there's some really impressive units. Uh, it's it's shocking um, how how good the Pac-12 is this year. I don't know. It just feels like a, a lot of units are playing at really really high levels. Okay. All right, so that's a great question. Thank you, Mr. Original 501, for that. Let's do a tiny bit of level setting here. Uh, and what I thought we could do is try to create a tier one of Pac-12 teams because things got gotten all jumbled up. They've gotten all fucked up now uh, because of Oregon losing to UW, because of uh, UCLA losing to Arizona. We haven't done this in a while, so I think now is the right time to do this. So I asked Greg to rank the teams, and he's going to take us through just his Tier 1 rankings. I understand that there's probably Tier 2. There's a lot of interesting conversations about some of the teams in the next tier that I think are still pretty good, but I've asked uh greg to rank the five the four five six best teams in the pac 12 whoever he says he would put in tier one so greg take us away so uh it must be stressed before we go through the rankings that uh these teams are all super close right now and honestly you could probably put any of the five teams i have in tier one in almost any order and defend it like decently well but you know that uh, this is this is how i ranked them so uh let's get into it we've got number one oregon uh I've got Oregon first because I think they play, they will play much better than they did against UW against most other big teams. Like even with the UW loss, if a few tiny things go their way in that game that didn't, uh, they, I don't, they win. And I don't think anyone would question them still being at one, uh, the UCLA at two, uh, they lost to Arizona. Yeah. And that's a bad loss for sure with the way their offense failed to score on maybe the worst defense in power five. But I think everyone gets one embarrassing off game. And I think UCLA's offense is a lot better than what they showed in that game. The defense kind of played how we thought they would against good offenses earlier in the year. So I'm not expecting much better from them. But uh, with how Pac-12 defenses are this year, UCLA, like their defense is not uniquely bad. So that's not going to be a huge point against them. And UCLA has two wins over Tier 1 teams and nobody else in Tier 1 here 
has uh nobody else can do that nobody else can claim that uh at three i've got usc they've got the fewest losses but they also have no real impressive wins they're behind ucla for me because of the aforementioned tier one wins that ucla has and they are ahead of utah for me despite the loss because that loss was only a one point loss against utah at utah i think at a neutral site uh you probably have USC favored in that game. Utah is behind all the teams that I've already mentioned at four because uh, I think their offense is the least explosive by a fair margin, and they have been hurt by injuries to the point where it feels like it could uh, collapse at any moment. The reason they're still ahead of UW, who's at five for me, is because I think their defense is better than UW's. Uh, The secondary the difference in secondaries between the two is like massive and against the other top teams in this conference. I think that really does matter. And Utah's run game, I think is definitely better than UW's despite, you know, what UW was able to do on the ground against Oregon, especially in the first half there. Uh, so yeah, I've got UW again, Utah ahead of Washington. Washington's at five. Uh, any questions? Just to recap for those who weren't following along. Number one, Oregon, number two, UCLA, number three, USC, number four, Utah, number five, Dub, yeah thoughts on this any gripes perfect i'm obviously much higher on utah than anybody else on the podcast (laughs) Um, but i think that the degree to which utah's offense is worse than usc's offense is maybe 50 percent the degree to which utah's defense is better than usc's offense um i would unquestionably have utah above usc Yes, the one the one point loss, all of that stuff. But USC has sustained injuries mm-hmm. since then that they just don't have the depth to deal with, and the drop off is significant. Um, I agree with Oregon being number one, assuming a healthy Bo Nix. Otherwise, this thing gets super jumbled. Yeah, I think that's right. Any other gripes? Uh, you all agree with this? Perfect ranking. I'd I'd have UCLA at four. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Why do you think UCLA is worse than Utah and USC? I think that they're early season home game merchants. I think that if they played those teams (laughs) on on the road right now, I would not favor UCLA over Utah in Salt Lake City. I would not favor UCLA over uh, USC in the Coliseum, probably. I would not favor UCLA even at Washington right now. I just don't think they're playing very well. I think that we were more right about this UCLA team in the preseason than we thought we were uh, at the midseason. I mean, they almost lost to South Alabama. I just, I'm, I'm out. Uh, these other teams aren't dropping games to teams like Arizona, so I'm UW out. lost to ASU. Well, yeah, yeah, I'd have them four. I have them ahead of Washington, but yeah, it's interesting. The way that Reed is viewing UCLA is exactly how I feel about USC. Like, get the fuck out of here! I don't want to watch. You. Like, <laughs> I don't care about you anymore. That's how I feel about every single one of these teams. I mean, uh, look, uh, Oregon looked good. USC looked good, but like, it's just that each of them are deeply flawed, and each of them have been home game merchants. Uh, like for the most part. Uh, I you see like I feel like I would probably favor UCLA against Utah again in Pasadena. I would favor I mean U- UCLA beat Utah and Washington in Pasadena. I would favor probably UCLA over Oregon in Pasadena. I I, I know that USC is favored going into Pasadena, but I'd pick UCLA ahead of Pas- uh, ahead of UC. That's the thing is that They're like not USC's favored. But yeah, you I wouldn't know, favor I know them I over. That. Yeah. Would you favor them over Arizona in Pasadena? <laughs> 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 I don't know. 
Well, sometimes this is the thing. Here's God. the thing. With Washington and UCLA's losses to the Arizona schools, it's like how much of that are we truly chalking up to like bad vibes? For UW, it turned out to be kind of fluky. Like they just went into Eugene and beat Oregon. Is that the same? Is is that true for UCLA and Arizona? Is it fluky? We'll find out next week. If UCLA wins out, runs the table, even if they mm-hmm. don't get to the Pac-12 title game, I think we might have to say that that was a, a fluke. I think we're looking at UW that UW ASU game as kind of fluky. So that's that's the weird thing is that like maybe UCLA and UW aren't good enough to avoid the fluky losses where like a USC and a Utah probably you you can't expect them to go away from that, but. I don't know. We'll we'll find out with UC. I'm I'm feel a hundred percent like UW has absolved themselves of the stink from that ASU game. UCLA has opportunities to do that. So I don't know. I think you're right, Greg. I I you could put them in any order, and I feel like I wouldn't argue. Um. Okay. Well, uh, running a little bit long, but let's let's just uh do a real, real, really, really quick preview here. Uh, November nineteenth is upon us, but it's had its shine taken off. I think uh, Oregon, Utah, and UCLA, USC, uh, still very close to a playoff for the Pac twelve title game. So I'm going to run through the scenarios here real quick. Oregon, Utah, USC, they all control their uh, own destinies. Especially USC, this is their um, last conference game. So if they win, they're in. Uh, the winner of Oregon and Utah will continue to co- control their destinies, but they need to finish off their season with the win to make it. Oregon has a tougher one to beat Oregon State, uh, and Utah has pretty much a bye. They just have to beat Colorado. Uh, UCLA still has hope. Mentioned this earlier. They need to beat USC and then Cal. Uh, they need Oregon to beat Utah, and then they need UW to lose one more game, either to Colorado or to Wazoo. And for any Huskies fans wondering, uh, Washington's basically eliminated. Eliminated. I spent 30 minutes late, late, late last night running scenarios, and I just couldn't find a path for them on the tiebreaker. So I'm sorry, Huskies fans. But I think we're going to have Let's to go. just eliminate them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all to say, these two November 19th games, Utah at Oregon, UC- USC at UCLA, both of them have still major implications for the Pac-12 title race. So I want to know from each of you, which game are you most excited about and why? Reed, you start us off here. Which of these two games are you most excited for? I'm most excited for Utah at Oregon. I think those are the conference's two best teams right now. Uh, there's a lot of interesting storylines with the revenge for last mm. year from Oregon. Uh, I'm dreading it a little bit as well, given the health of Bo Nix, but uh, I'm also very excited for it. Yeah, I think I'm really... <laughs> That's a great point about the narratives and, you know, or Utah owns Oregon. They beat the shit out of them twice. I know it's a different team now. I don't know. They're both. It's, I think that one's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I think USC at UCLA is interesting, mostly because I want to see USC tested. Can UCLA give them a test? Like, I, I mean, USC has been tested, but like by shitty teams that people are like, oh, they're sleepwalking. But like, here's an opportunity <laughs> for them to have a good win. Um, so... <laughs> What are you laughing at, Matt? What do you think? <laughs> USC's been tested by like shitty teams, as we just talked about Utah and whether or not they were better than. Us. I'm not we're saying being, you're wrong. I just thought, I just found it funny. We're being yelled <laughs> at arguing. in the chat because technically UW has a path, but that path includes Utah losing to Colorado, and that's why I think it's a tightrope over a gorge. It's not a path. Um, I think y'all this is be a, happy with ten and two in an Alamo. Bowl. For the it's second week fun. in a row, I think Carlos, this is a dumb conversation because <laughs> Arizona and Wazoo. Play each other this week, that was gonna be and fun. that's the most important game on the calendar. It's been the most important game, full of narratives. It's in Tucson at 11 a.m. What more could you want? You're 
I feel like you're being slightly ironic, but it's actually going to be fun. It's true. She's it's right. True. I think it's going to be the best game. Like Arizona's offense versus Wazoo's defense is going to be a lot of fun. Wazoo trying to offense against Arizona trying to defense well, is going to be kind of fun. Watson's, Nikia Watson is back, okay? Like <laughs> back. this. <laughs> Let's go. It's going to be fun. I like people are like, that's perfect. I'm so glad they did put it at 11 a.m. Because like we can just consume and stay with that game. And then we'll get to like mm-hmm. our big games at 5 p.m. Exactly. Uh, like that's uh, perfect. I think that worked out really well. Talk um, about an ideal day drinking lead in. <laughs> oh, I will be. I will be so drunk. I'll, I'm going to be so drunk. Greg, what about you? Which game are you most excited for? So for me, I'm more excited for UCLA USC. For similar reasons. Well, so like Reed said he was dreading the Utah Oregon game. I'm also dreading that game. I am fully expecting a 2019 repeat. Like I can't get it out of my head. I'm dreading it more than I have dreaded any game since the first Utah Oregon game last year. I I don't feel good at all. Uh, So I don't really want to watch that game. (laughs) However, I am super excited to see DTR versus USC. Last year it was electric. Uh, UCLA ran up the score. I am hoping for a massive shootout this week or just a close game where uh, DTR hurdles someone for the win. Uh, that would be a lot of fun for me. Uh, but is this like, is this the best week of Pac, like most exciting week of Pac 12 football going into it we've had since realignment? Like, yeah. I mean, maybe one of those Oregon Stanford, you know, yeah. early on in the 2010s when they were really elite. But in terms of anticipation and quality of teams, like it's up there. Every game has significant impact. Every game has like a ton of intrigue just within itself. I, I, this is awesome. This is great. Matt, do you have one? Did you say? Did you already say? Game is this week. Did we talk about the Mm -hmm. big game? Oh, we're gonna. Oh, Oh, we're gonna. (laughs) Oh, we're gonna. Um, I, so I am right there with Greg, except for Nate Johnson, the savior, will will be here for Utah, but UCLA. USC is going to be way too much fucking fun. Yeah, yeah. Like the hate that exists in DTR's heart. Uh, I said uh, the an uh, Arizona. I think it was like a, a fullback or some shit hurdled a guy for UCLA, and I by rule DTR then had to succeed successfully get five hurdles. I D, if DTR doesn't have double digit hurdles in this game, he failed. <laughs> and I think he will try. And I think that like. The amount of shit talking that will go on in that, the rivalry aspect. I will say, oh my goodness, if there is a disappointing crowd in that game, I'm gonna be so upset because I do think that the crowds in college the crowds in college football make college football. And that is the only thing that I really think Utah Oregon has over USC uh UCLA. And it might make a massive difference. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the crowd's gonna be I think the crowd is gonna be raucous. It kind of always is, even when both of these teams are bad, although twenty eighteen was like, what the fuck is this? Like no one's coming to this game, which is kind of insane. But last I checked, get in price for this game was two hundred dollars. That is uh very abnormal for both of these teams. Well, that's like a gallon of milk in your city. So like I don't <laughs> a know. gallon of gas, maybe, yeah. <laughs> All right. There it is. Let's uh let's move on to end our show here with some game predictions. Greg, how about you give us a quick pick and party result uh, update? Well, so, you know, it's it's been rough for me personally. Uh, <laughs> I don't really like to think about it. But in terms of who won this last week, it, oh, shit. Oh, my God. 
I won a week. <laughs> it's me and Avery. Uh, Matt failed to put in his picks, and that's the only reason. Congratulations. <laughs> me and Avery went five of six. We are the best and the smartest, and everyone else should and feel bad. And I was bad. so close to six for six because UW didn't cover. And I'm... <laughs> Wait, UW, okay. UW covered. I mean... I mean the over. They didn't. Oh the over. yeah, you Excuse were me. close there. If that had, if that goal line pick, <laughs> yeah. oh terrible. <laughs> That's brutal. As for overall on the season, it is still our king KG. Nobody can catch him. He's untouchable. He's insane. Uh, and you know, Zach, you don't need to worry about the overall standings. Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, but yeah, that's where we are with the pick'em party. Great, Matt. Let's hear a quick standings update. Listen, after two weeks of trying to hit on double-digit underdogs, Grapes and I finally got one. We did it! Arizona vaulting your boy and the witch up to back in the race. We have Greg and Matt tied at 62 for the lead. Avery is at 60 right behind, and Carlos just a Grand Canyon away. Coin flip Carlos. Get fucked. 59 points. Reed, I guess, has 12 points. Who cares? I think we need to talk about how impressive it is that I went 0-5 two weeks ago, and I am still only two behind. I mean, it was a great chase. It was a good chase there. Yeah. All right, on to the games. First up, Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Pacific. Wazoo travels to Tucson for what is now a big-time bowl eligibility game for Arizona. This game is going to be sneaky interesting. We already talked about this a little bit. Wazoo, four-point favorite. Grapes, who wins, who covers? Arizona. All right. Arizona's winning this one. I All feel right. it. I feel All it in right. my bones. Reed? I cannot give up on bowl eligible Arizona. Got to go with the Wildcats. Oh, shit. <laughs> Matt? Yeah, I am I am holding my bowl eligible boys until they expire. Wow. Wow. Arizona, for sure. And I hate I hate the Reed picked it. Oh, I'm so upset. Oh, I'm going to swerve and pick Wazoo. Their defense is pretty good. They're pretty competent. Arizona's a little high variance. Do we get another good Jaden Lauren game? TBD. Greg? Just like that. I immediately feel so much better. Much like Matt is holding his bowl eligible bowl eligible boys in Arizona. I am holding them under the water. I want them to drown. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> uh, you can't drown a fish, go, Greg. Cam Ward, you not drown the a superior, fish. Uh, the superior quarterback uh, over Jaden Delora. Uh, go Cougs. Uh, Washington State wins and covers. Here we go. Oh. Greg hates females too. Who knew? 11.15 a.m. <laughs> Oregon State traveling to the desert to play ASU. Beavs are a six-point favorite. Read who wins, who covers. Beavs have been handling their business. Uh, I'm going to go with the Beavs to win, and I guess they'll call cover too. Matthew Hubertson? I'm so sorry, Beavs. They are just back in the rankings. They turn into a potato on the road. Mm. I am riding with bread boy Trenton Borgay. Yeah, that's Arizona a tough one. State wins. I've, I've thought about this. I'm going to say Oregon State figures it out. I think they win. I do not think they cover. I think it's going to be a tight game. It's going to be an ugly game. It's going to be a dumb game. Greg, what about you? I am with you, Carlos. Uh, I don't feel good about it at all. I consider taking ASU because it is in the desert and it is the beeves away from home. But I do trust Jonathan Smith. Uh, they've only lost to really good teams so far. And so I'll take Oregon State to win but not cover. Zach saying on the chat that Trenton Baguette was no, he, he was got actually hurt. hurt. Uh, yeah, he was injured. Um, so we'll see if he's 100% next week. Uh, He'll be back. Grapes? I hate this game. I think the Pac-12 betrayed Oregon State by not putting this game in Corvallis. I thought at this point it was tradition to have this game in Corvallis. <laughs> um, there's no reason this should be played on the road. 
Oh, God, the vibes are bad, but not bad enough for me to pick Arizona State. I need Oregon State to finish the season ranked. Would be nice. 2.30 Pacific, big game. Stanford traveling to Berkeley to take on Cal in the rivalry game. Cal is a four-point favorite. Matt, who wins, who covers? Sicko's game of the year. Oh! Ew! What the fuck? I'm locked in. If any Cal alum want me to come and hang out at their like steak and shrimp uh, tailgate, I'm in. Please invite me. Um, I'm on Stanford. Wow. I don't love either <laughs> ew, of these ew, teams. Ew. I hate them both. <laughs> so give me give me the points opportunity. I'll, I'll lay the six points. Uh, I don't know what Stanford's good at, but I know Cal is like kind of okay at something, which is defense, and maybe they have like a quarterback uh, who has a pulse. So give me Cal. I think they win and they cover. Greg. It's tough. Uh, You know, neither of these teams are good. But the difference for me in this is, as you said, Cal can do defense. Stanford cannot. And Cal still has Jay Nott. I get that it's been rough for him because their offensive line is bad. But nothing cures a bad run game like a game against Stanford. So, uh... I think it'll be a good game from Jay Knott in this one, and Cal will get the win and, I guess, cover too. Grapes? Yeah, I feel like he can really flip a coin here, but I'm going to go with Cal just because I, I, I agree. Their defense is at least something. Reed? This is a tough spot for Wilcox. He loves to cover but hates to win. Uh, I think that Cal actually is the better team, though, so I'm going with Cal. Good picks. Uh, 5 p.m. Greg, Pacific. you picked Cal, right? One I of the two Cal, yeah. big games of the slate. Okay. USC is traveling to Pasadena to play UCLA. USC is a four-point favorite. Greg, who wins who covers? I am going to go with DTR and the hate in his heart. Mm. Uh, go Bruins. I think they're the better team. Uh, I'm surprised that four. it's four. I think that's a little too big. Uh UCLA, they're more tested. I think they've proven more than USC has. And Zach Charbonnet is the best player in the conference. So, uh, yeah, go go Bruins. Yeah, give me UCLA. I think that they're losing Arizona might be good for them. Now they just go in this with, with very little pressure. Hate in their hearts. <laughs> uh, grapes. I don't know. I'm going to pick USC, I think. <laughs> oh. All right. Yikes. Reed? Yeah, I got to stick with hating UCLA. I'll go with USC. <laughs> Matthew Hubertson? I Yeah, DTR's hating his heart. Zach Charbonnet might go for 300. Yeah. I'm picking UCLA. <laughs> Going to be interesting. 6 p.m. Pacific, Colorado travels to Seattle to play UW. UW is a 31-point favorite. Grapes, who covers? UW. UW will cover. Yeah, I think I UW covers. Reed? UW covers. Matt? Yeah, not worth talking about UW. All right. Greg? UW wins. Colorado covers. Oh, Whoa. That's the first crazy. time I've picked that this shit. year. Uh, wow. But I'm ready for the emotional <laughs> letdown of UW and their bad secondary, letting JT Shrout get like two bombs that lead to a cover. Oh, no. In the chat, Crow has picked her buffs. Oh, oh no. Crow, oh, our, Crow. Little, our little puppy Crow. Uh, the true playoff game of the slate. Winner takes pole position for first place in the Pac-12. Utah traveling to Eugene to take on Oregon. Oregon is a one-point favorite. Reed, who wins? Who covers? Oh, God. This line has moved all over the place. <laughs> I am everywhere. very nervous for this game. I will be there in person. Uh, we know what happened the last two times. I do think Oregon is the better team. I'm picking them to win and cover. 
Give me Utah. I think they win. I think they pull it out. I think we're going to be shocked by Utah. I think Shut people the are underestimating up. them. Utah is a little <laughs> overlooked. They fucking love it when they're overlooked. Uh, they they use that shit, and they did beat the shit out of Oregon two times last year. So I'm picking Utah. Matt, who wins, who covers? Well, uh, who wins? It's a one-point favorite. You know, whatever. I, I am making this pick with the assumption that Bonex is hurt, hurt, mm. and that the only reason he was able to play is because adrenaline is a hell of a drug. I don't think Bonex plays. I think Utah wins maybe by two scores. Greg? I am making this pick with the assumption that Bonex is going to be fine. Uh, and I'm not sure it matters <laughs> if he's not because I don't trust Utah's defense. Uh, I think Oregon's going to be able to run the ball on them no matter who's playing quarterback. And uh, I'm going to take Oregon to win and, I mean, obviously cover, but I think a two score win at least. I'm not feeling optimistic. Grapes? I cannot tell you who's going to win, but I can tell you that the vibes are not going to be good. They will be bad. So this is the bad vibes game of the week. And because of both that, teams, both teams leave hating themselves. Yeah, nobody's going to have a fun time here. So I think you know what? Let's just let's just do something fun and different. And I'm going to pick Utah. Mm, there it is. There it is. All right, that's it. That's our show. You all noticed that I was probably trying to rush us through. I've got to run. I'm supposed to catch Wakanda forever for a second time with a friend. Uh, the showtime's at 12. It's 11.54 right now, oh, so shit. I have to run. Well, goodbye. <laughs> uh, anyway, this week's going to be super fun, probably for some of us more than others. Stay tuned again for our basketball episode on Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday, sorry, Wednesday, 5 a.m., our Pac-12 Stadium reviews later this week. Joe, go check out our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com, on and on and on. And as always, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All right, that's it. That's Greg. That's Reed. That's Matt. That's Grapes. I'm Carlos. Thank you for listening. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Georgie boy! Fuck you. Fuck you. Oh